How's Will's business going? Uh, I'll ask him about six months. I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for it. You know, the thing is, I want you guys all to start your own stuff and figure it out. It, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. good to learn it because I think it makes you a way better employee, too. Yeah. I will see you.
Hello? Uh, I will look. Okay. Okay, I'll look for it. Thanks. Hey, so does it end in eight three four four, the ID? Because uh, I just went to the laptop and tried to get on. I'll just shut her down and start again, I guess. Okay. Yeah, eight seven six seven four two eight three four four. Yeah, let me see here. Um, let me make sure that she gets that. Okay. Uh, let's see why is it small now? Let's see here. 
Let me just close out of it and see if I can get back on it. Oh, it's in. Uh, there we go. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm on it. Uh, he's not on. It's the A344 ID? Yeah. I got a funny story to tell you too when when this is over with. Uh, about July 3rd. Okay. Hilarious. Yeah, I, he, he emailed me, said he was on. I just emailed him to make sure that the meeting ID matches what we have. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's 331 826 Oh, it's a different one? No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm talking to the uh, woman at UPS. Okay, sorry. Hey, Joe, can I give you a call back? Like, yeah, no worries. Hey there. Hey, how are you? Sorry about that. No, I, I guess I must have had the wrong meeting ID, so that's my fault. I apologize. Oh, oh no worries. You know, I, um, I always think, you know, I always think it's on my end, you know, and uh, <laughs> as you always do, you know, so I, I'm glad that you're able to connect. Yeah, hey, thanks, for, thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I, I got the audio. I don't have the video yet. Let's see. There we are. Hey. Or do, do you prefer audio or video? Either one's fine with me. Yep. Okay, let's just go. Let's go. Then people can do both, right? One yeah. or the other. Yep, you bet. So anything um, that you promote right now, you go by Joseph or Joe? Joe, typically. Yeah, yep. me too. Yeah. It's a good name. At least we have yeah. that in common. Very lucky to have that name. Very lucky. Yeah. So um, anything you're promoting right now? Your podcast? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm doing a podcast. It's called Heroes Like You. Yep. Focusing on uh, really suicide prevention and, and how to help people really in any walk of life get through challenges and uh, see if we can beat depression and overcome that pandemic. I love it's, it. It's killing a whole lot more people than the COVID right now. So, no, and, tons more. And it's not really looked at in the way that it could be. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of things about it, a lot of things we don't know, but that's kind of my uh, passion right now. And that's what I'm, I'm promoting. So. Super. Let's get into it. Okay. We're very excited today to talk to uh, Joseph Bellaston. He goes by Joe. And Joe's from Salt Lake City, uh, Nevada, or, and uh, Utah. Okay, I can't even know my states. Salt Lake City, Utah. And father of five, um, personal growth expert, 
a huge suicide prevention advocate, entrepreneur. Let's see if we can learn some things from Joe. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, tell me what's going on in Utah these days. Well, Utah's probably <clears throat> a lot like the rest of the world, trying to figure out what to do with uh, COVID and trying to figure out if schools are opening up. Uh, the sad thing for us with this whole thing was that the uh, the ski resorts shut down and that's a big part of our economy and it's a big part of our culture and a lot of fun and so halfway through the season they shut down um, but Utah's actually the the number one state in job growth and so everybody's feeling pretty good um, it's a great place to live I love living in in Utah because I'm surrounded uh, 360 degrees by mountains and so every day I'll, I'll take a run up in the mountains and the hills take my kids up on hikes uh, go fishing. So it's a great place to be. Great place to live. So tell me um, and tell us actually just about your upbringing. Um, did you grow up in Utah, your, your folks, your sisters and brothers, all that type of stuff? Yeah, I did. So I grew up in northern Utah in a place called Logan. And it's a rural town and a great place to grow up. You know, one of those places where you wake up in the summer and you take off and your parents don't know where you where you go but you come back by dinner time. And so it was a great place in that regard. Did a lot of uh, exploring and, and biking and a lot of on my own. Um, so it was, in my opinion, a great place to, to grow up and to learn and to develop and meet challenges and be, be able to overcome those. So uh, no regrets about how I grew up. That's awesome. And then um, tell us about your education. So, that's a funny thing. I, my mom forced me into a music program in school, right? Which I wasn't happy about. I was like, no, I'm not going to do band. Are you kidding me? I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to, you know, yeah. be physical. Um, she's like, just do it for a year. And she forced my hand at that. So I ended up playing in the orchestras and the bands and I loved it and did that through high school. And it paid my way through college and was able to play in orchestras, traveled all over the world performing. Um, and decided that I didn't want to perform or teach for a living. I did have a music scholarship, so I had to stay in that field if I wanted to get through school, um, but ended up uh, recording music instead. So I uh, studied recording engineering. This is all at BYU in Provo, Utah. And uh, that led me into the career that I have now, which is uh, creating and providing sound for movies and television shows, which is really rewarding. It's creative. I get to work with a lot of neat people. Um, and use that skill set that I, I learned in school and that I, that I loved growing up with music and, and sound. And, and so that's kind of fun. What was your instrument? Uh, I played low brass, so trombone and baritone. A lot of people haven't heard of the baritone or euphonium, um, but I played that as well as trombone and uh, really enjoyed it. A lot so trombone is, is that the one with the use your arm and you yeah it's the slide and so you see it a lot in jazz bands and in orchestras things like that um it's an it's a unique instrument but it's really fun it's really fun. did you have a side gig being like a jazz band and all that stuff you know that's what i wanted to do yeah uh no i played in jazz bands i played in um you know i played piano as well so you know playing in the bands in front of people that was kind of a rush and did that every every once in a while but you know i don't know if i was uh, never, I was never really good enough to take that all the way, I think. So that's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, BYU, um, <clears throat> my, my godson, um, from the Pacific Northwest went out there and ran 
cross country and track out there and just absolutely loved BYU. He was like, uh, um, he was actually looking for a campus that was a dry campus. Okay. Well, that's and the driest campus in the U.S. So. He found it at BYU, and it was like, okay, buddy. But he also found a unbelievable coach, Ed Eyestone. Ed Eyestone, who was yeah. an unbelievable running coach down there. They got, and so my school, my alma mater is University of Portland, which is um, a pretty good running school. Okay. And BYU is, you know, same. And then they joined the West Coast Conference this last, you know, four or five years. And so that rivalry has been great. And yeah. – uh, but um, yeah, BYU is uh, that's just a powerhouse, down, you know, down there in uh, yeah. Provo. Well, if he's a if he was on the track team, you said he's on the track team or cross country. Both. He was both. He was uh, so he graduated. I want to say about three or four years ago. He just he just made the Olympic trials uh, at Chicago Marathon wow. this past uh, fall, and it was unbelievable. He had to run like two eighteen or two nineteen on his first marathon. He did it. And this is a guy that works like a a tough job for Amazon. And yeah. he basically, I want to say he did like 25 miles after work. That is phenomenal. That's amazing. And if yeah. he must be a heck of a runner and a plug for BYU. They, this past year, they won the national championship. Oh, trust me. I know that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I he know must that. Have been a heck of a runner to be on that team. That's, that's great. Congratulations to him. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he, he's uh Connor Pelican's his name. He's out in his shout out to him in Seattle. He's uh He's enjoying his, his time there, and uh, but uh, that's great. I know we got side sidetracked there, Joe. But um, so, Joe, one of the things that you know in my in in this podcast I like to do is I like to talk to entrepreneurs, and because the, the one of the reasons I like to to do that is I'm hoping that um, some folks that listen to this podcast, younger people and even older people, um, can kind of tap into the opportunities out there. Um, you know, you've mentioned that, that you've got an uh, education that involved a lot of music and, and that you learn a skill on that. And then you've found a way to monetize that and right. to, to change it around. And, and so, you know, that kind of, you know, mindset is something that, you know, I don't think that is wanted, but needed by folks, young folks now. I mean, don't you agree with me on that? Sure. Yeah. Well, let me backtrack a little bit if I could. I grew up in a pretty traditional home. What I mean by that is traditional values as far as my dad works at, you know, he's a, he's a boomer and he worked at the local university, Utah State University for his whole career, 30 years, right? And he was a, a computer support tech there. So not a high profile job. He didn't really think much of it. He always had these brilliant grand ideas you know, to be an entrepreneur and, you know, take his ideas to the world. He was very risk averse and it never developed, obviously. Yeah. And so that was what I saw. That's what I grew up knowing. My grandfather was a banker, you know, so the same kind of thing. I was born in 1983. And depending on who you ask and where you look, that's either a millennial or Gen X, right? And so I fall kind of in the no man's land somewhere in between there where, you know, I have these uh, boomer values, these traditional values of hard work and, and loyalty and, and things like that. But on the other spectrum, I'm part of this millennial generation who uh, wants to explore new possibilities and, and make an impact on the world. And boy, the thought of staying in one job for 30 years, just about, you know, just <laughs> sends chills up my spine. So, 
Um, that's kind of where I'm at. So <laughs> when I was going to school, I really didn't know that I could make my own path. That sounds dumb, but I didn't realize I could create my own future, frankly. Mm -hmm. So I graduated from college in 2008, which wasn't a great time to graduate. In fact, sure, that's procession like, time, buddy. Right. And the, the goal at that time was to go to Nashville and become a, a recording engineer. And I had a good friend at the time that was over there who's recording really uh, successful bands that you've heard of, you know. And so I give him a call and say, hey, I'm going to come out and do an internship for my final summer. Can you hook me up? And he's like, don't come out. There's just studios closing every day on every corner. And it's just a mm. disaster. And talk to my professors. They say, you know, you're kind of on your own as far as this world goes. So, uh you know, there's no jobs out there is really what they were saying. And so I was like, well, I guess I do the next thing, which is you go find a job, right? You go find a job in something that will pay the bills. And, and that's what you do. And that's, that's all I knew. Um, anyway, fast forward a little bit. And uh, I got some, uh, some operations jobs with some, uh, some trucking companies and other you know, other jobs that didn't really fit what I'd been studying or my passions or anything. And, but I kept it up. So I kept up this uh, recording engineering and started doing some side jobs and odd jobs, purchased some equipment uh, here and there. And to make a long story short, I ended up creating a, a company, you know, just a sole proprietorship where I would, um, where I would create sounds for, for corporate videos and some TV shows, things like that. And that then expanded into what I do as my full-time job now as, uh, as a, I guess you'd, you'd call it a, an audio engineer or a sound designer for TVs and movies. And, but as I was doing that, these, it just opened up to me this, this knowledge that, you know, you can create your future. You can create your own career. You, can, uh, it, you don't have to let someone else dictate what you do for a job or how much money you make and things like that. Um, anyway, so after a few jobs, I, I finally decided to go into it full time on my own. And that's been so rewarding. So rewarding. I wish I would have done. What year did you do that, Joe? I, you know, I just have an, a, a space in my home, in my basement that I turn into a studio and that's where I do it. So from the comfort of my home and it's not I, super ideal, but it certainly gets the job done and it's, um, it works really well. When did you start doing that full time, Joe? When did you, when did you make that leap? It's uh, been a year and a half now, so the end of 2018. That's awesome. So, um, and are you able to to you know create the the amount of money that you need to support your family? Um, I doubled my income from my previous job, so last year. Yes, sirree, my so, friend. And you know that's really exciting in and of itself. But what's more exciting than that is just that you know because I'm kind of a risk averse person myself. You know I. I like to make sure everything's planned and calculated. And when you go out into business on your own, that's never a sure thing. Right. And so that's what I have enjoyed more than the income, frankly, is the freedom and the, the knowledge that I can make this happen. You know what I mean? I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but it's, it's been really no, I trust with me. I, I I'm kind of the, the same route. So can I give you my story real quick? Yeah. I, um, I'm a history major, right? So okay. how many jobs are there for history majors? Well, you're I mean, be a teacher, right? You know, you know what? I wasn't. I, 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 um, I got kind of, I was in the arts and sciences and I liked it. And I figured out, I, 
I always wanted to know the backstory. Yeah. And so then I said, you know, I'm going to dig down on this. And then I figured, you know, I, and then I looked into history and there was some, some pretty good professors at my uh, university of Portland on history. So I said, you know, I want to find out more about why things happen. So I did that. And then, you know, I gravitated towards law school and it was a pretty good place for a guy like me because I was able to communicate decently, write okay, and um, advocate that type of thing. And so, um, but when I got out, I, you know, I was looking for the same thing you were, you know, the, I am a boomer, um, 63 and uh, 1963 is when I was born. And so um, I'm on the tail end of it. And my, I wanted to just get a, a job that was, you know, a nice firm. So I worked for a firm, like what they call um, defense firm. So I represented, you know, companies and, and insurance companies, that type of thing. I did that for about four years in Portland, Oregon, and then four years here in Chicago. And then I had the same thing that you thought of, and, and I, uh, you know, do my own thing. And I did that in, gosh, that was 24 years ago. And I've never looked back. And, um, but use that, the realization, though, that you could do it um, and dictate how, how you are and not basically look for a job is, is a nice feeling. It, it's, it's an independence thing that, right. that a lot of Americans have. And I think we're going to have to educate all, everybody, you know, from grade school to high school, that they have to have an ownership in their own career. And so um, I think side gigs are going to be a big thing, is that you have a job, but you also have a side gig. And um, so, you know, I've tried to create different side gigs as, as I've gone on just because I enjoy it so much. And so I'm the same way as you are. I, I think, you know, once you find out, you know, once you find out, I mean, you're 37 years old, right? Yep. So um, you're going to, you know, you get better and better and better at it as time goes on because, you know, running a company, uh, you get a new respect for how hard it is to run a company. Right. You also get it. You also you know, you're investing in yourself. So it's a good move, right? Yeah. Well, and to your point, I think you will see more of a move in the future, this direction, um, just because the technology that's out there, the, the personalities that are out there, uh, they want more freedom. And I think it's in a lot of ways, it can be more efficient. It can be a lot more effective work. Um, uh, so I think there will be a, a shift in that direction. And it's allowed me personally to look for other opportunities as well. So um, after starting this, well, and to your point, not only does it, uh, not only do you, I mean, you learn so many th different things, not just the skill or the trade or the craft that you're selling, right. Or that you're providing, but how to run a business. I mean, it's so much education in that realm as well, but it's opened my eyes to other possibilities and op opportunities. So I have other ventures that I'm doing right now as well. Uh, starting a business with uh, a good friend of mine and hoping to launch that later this year. And uh, anyway, it's just, oh, once you open that floodgate, it, the possibilities I think are endless. So you just have to get it started. Right, and so, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was your, your really cool emphasis that you have um, on your podcast. And um, maybe you could share a little bit uh, with that with, with us. Sure, so this idea came to me a couple of years ago as I was mowing the lawn actually. And uh, the podcast is called Heroes Like You. And the whole idea behind it is to help inspire and motivate people going through tough times in their lives by learning from successful people who have overcome challenges. And there are many, many out there. 
uh, when I was younger, my aunt took her life. And as I, as I've grown older, I mean, I, you could probably ask anybody in the country right now, if they know someone personally or know of someone who's been affected by suicide, right? Yes. There's probably nobody that has, has not been affected by it in one way or the other. And I remember our, the first place that we lived when, after I got married, our, we, it was an apartment complex and two doors down, our neighbor took his life. Um, there have been neighbors and family members of neighbors that have committed suicide. It's just rampant. I was thinking, why is that? That was the first question that came to mind. Why is it increasing? Since 1999, the suicide rate has increased every year, significantly. Um, and the ages are starting to get younger and younger, which is just a tragedy to me. Because personally, I think, I think first of all, they're dying too young. They're, they're leaving too early. And what could they do if they stayed, right? There's some research out there that says, you know, if people, people that are going through a crisis, the crisis lasts about 90 days. And if they can get through that 90 days, then the, the chance of them dying by suicide decreases significantly, like significantly. So it's a really a short period of crisis. And if we can help people get through that time, then they will live happy, productive lives, you know? And so that's my goal is to just help people get through their, their time of crisis and understand that people have done this before. If other people have done it, you can do it. Everybody has the ability and the capacity to get through challenges. Um, anyway, I've, I've looked into it a lot. And the, the problem is we don't really know why the suicide rate is increasing. We have a lot of data on what we can do to prevent it. Uh, but we don't know why people are doing it necessarily. Does that make sense? So it's kind of yeah. hard that way. But I think I, I get really motivated and, and, and inspired by biographies and the lives of people that have done great things. And I'm hoping that other people will gravitate towards that as well and understand, man, I can really do this. It's been done before and there's a lot to live for. And, you know, these bumps in the roads and sometimes they're more than bumps. I mean, there's when you talk about clinical depression and, and other things like that, which I'm not qualified to talk about, but uh, you know, other forms of depression and, and just challenges and adversity in our lives, those can be good if we know how to deal with them and get through them. So. Sure. You know um, that heroes like you podcast, um, I'm, I'm going to listen to some of them just because you've, you've got some pretty decent personalities that, that you've interviewed that have overcome a lot. Is that the case? Oh, yeah. So my first interview, I was really fortunate to have Lou Holtz on. And uh, so he's the Hall of Fame college football coach of, from Notre Dame, coached several places. Um, but his story is just outrageous. I mean, he comes from a family of, you know, minors, right? And his future didn't look any brighter than the inside of a, of a steel mine, right? Of a steel mill. And look what he went on to accomplish. And he grew up with an, an incredible speech impediment. You know, he has a lisp. And, um, but the things he was able to do, um, talk, I've, I've spoken to Olympians. And <laughs> one of my favorites is uh, Bill Schufenauer, who grew up on the streets and uh, in and out of foster homes and ends up winning a silver medal with the U.S. bobsled team, right, in 2002. 
and I've had Mrs. America, um, just so many others that have just remarkable stories and every single one of them have the same theme. They've all struggled. You know, we look at Olympians or uh, I, I interviewed a uh, Green Beret. You know, we look at a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL or, uh, you know, we could even look at you know, musicians or TV stars and, and we think their life or, lives are wonderful, which they could be. But every single person, you included, Joe, has gone through a really challenging time at some point and you got through it. And uh, most of the time, those challenges and those trials, those adversity make us stronger and help us become better and allow us to help other people that may be going through similar things. You know, so that's the, that's the theme with all, every single one of the guests that come on is, you know, they've found success and many of them have achieved at the highest level in their fields. Um, but they've all struggled. They've all struggled to get there and they deal with the same struggles that you and I do. They just know how to overcome it. And most of the time it's controlling the mind, right? It's all in the mind. Right. You know, Lou Holtz is, uh, I mean, so, so when I with Notre Dame law school, um, so, I get, uh, uh, coach Faust was the, was the, uh, the coach, my first year of law school. And I thought he was just a great guy. It just was, I, you know, so it just didn't work out, you know, Notre Dame. It's just pressure cooker. And he came from Faust High School and, uh, yeah. and Moeller, uh, or he, he came from Moeller High School and, uh, you know, in Ohio. And he was ultra successful. Just didn't, but then, you know, uh, Holtz came in and just, you know, my, my first year I was in London. I remember uh, my second year I was in London and I was watching the season kind of in a weird way uh, from London and you could just see the, the team transform Yeah, with this little guy who I can't even believe played college football at, uh, I think he's at Kent state or something like Kent that. State, yeah. 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 He was like, you know, such a small guy, but um, just the power of the will. But the second year um, complete transformation. Then the third year they, they won it all in 88. And um, that was just an amazing transformation basically on mindset. Yeah. Of, of, of you know he, he had the way to change the mindset of a whole group of people and so wow what a blessing to have a gift for him uh you know as a guest because you know that guy is to me is a pretty amazing um amazing guest you know one of the funniest things he, he always tells about is when he was coaching at william and mary this was his first job i think as a football coach he said they had too many marys and not enough williams <laughs> Well, he was pretty fun no nonsense kind of guy, but he's also really empathetic. And um, like you said, he's, he really works on the mindset. You know, his thing is all about choices and small choices and you make enough small choices and it's going to lead to great or devastating results. Right. So, yeah, he, so hit that guy. So he's big into, you know, and one of the things about suicide is, um, you know, my, my mother um, suffered, you know, she had 10 kids and she had, uh, she was diagnosed and she had really a tough um, physical problems. She had chronic fatigue, um, all that type of stuff. But she had probably the deepest faith life of anybody that I know. Mm. So she'd get up, you know, whether she wanted to or not, she'd get up every, like five or six in the morning. She had a book that she prayed for all these different people every single day. And she basically... So she, she definitely, 
you know, was a Mother Teresa type person, you know, God first, other second, me last type yeah. person. Yeah. And she was like, um, basically would, would, would pray and um, put, put a lot of her, her, you know, anxiety or suffering in God's hands. And then also she would basically pray for other people and kind of um, move the thoughts about her and her problems to, to serving other people. Right. And I think, you know, that's helped me a lot too with, um, you know, any problems or stress or anxiety that I have, um, having some sort of faith, you know, in something that is bigger than us, I think is a, is a huge thing in, in dealing with either these chronic problems, you know, physical, emotional. I mean, you and I agree that some of these things, this, you know, um, clinical depression, and, you know, the psychiatrists and, and the psychologists have their hands full um, in, in helping out folks. And there's so many different ways to do that. But there's also, you know, for people that have episodic depression or, you know, problems that, you know, bad things don't go their way. or And, and you and me, this has happened. Um, just having that sense of faith has is, is, is been helpful to me. How, how about you? Oh, there's no question. I think that's a great point. And I think that I have I have a couple theories and they're completely unproven um but i think there's a a wave of un of faithlessness in our country yeah. and the world and i don't think that is helping and i think life is too easy we have so many conveniences and comforts right, right now that we don't struggle on a daily basis and so yeah. when we do we don't know how to deal with it we kind of freak out back to your point on faith that has guided me my whole life you know i grew up in a very faithful home and you know, we'd get up and read scriptures and we'd pray every night. And uh, I remember I served a mission, mission work uh, for a couple of years in Hong Kong. Wow. That's an experience. When you leave home and you're going to, you know, preach Jesus, as they say in Hong Kong, and uh, you don't know the language and you're struggling. And I've never had suicidal thoughts or anything like that. <laughs> I've been depressed, but I remember several nights, you know, especially my first few months there where I would lay in bed and be like, I am completely okay if I never wake up. I mean, this is rough. And uh, it was only the faith that I had that got me through that time. You know, my faith in God and my prayers that got me through that. And it was a, it was a great time as well. I mean, I got closer with my maker during that time than I ever have before or since. And so I think it was a choice time, but I've looked back on that, you know, the rest of my life, it's been 18 years now. And that has helped me so much and relying on, on my faith in, in a higher power in God has really guided me and helped me through many of my struggles. So I'm, I completely hundred percent agree. Um, the more faith we have, you can call it whatever you want and a higher power in God and the universe um, that can do nothing but help in my opinion. You know, um, my wife is, is a, um, she's funny. She, um, at Christmas time, she usually likes to, to have the whole family go see a musical. And uh, one year she um, signed us all up to go downtown Chicago and see Fiddler on the Roof. Have you seen that before? Yeah. You know, that's my, my wife's favorite pastime is uh, going to a, a musical or a play. So we love that. Yeah. So one of them, you know, I, I saw the movie a long time ago. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, 
And the guy that plays Tevia in that one, the, the father, uh, is this guy named Topol. Um, I, I think it's, I pronounced it right. But that guy is an absolute unbelievable actor. But the thing that I really liked about it, you know, uh, for, for the people that are listening, um, it's basically the plight of uh, Russian Jews uh, during the pogrom in, uh, in Russia. And they were basically moving all the Jews out and, and, and killing a lot of them. And it was this father and he had a bunch of girls and they were, you know, making their way and into the, a more modern, you know, modern world and he was resisting it. And, um, but the way that he talked to God was absolutely what I want. Yeah. He, it was, it was a personal conversation. He'd look up and he would just like talk to him like, Hey, I don't know what you're doing here, God, but you know, give me a break here. You know, I got, I got my daughter. She's hanging out with somebody that's not Jewish. I don't know what to do. You got to help me out here, you know, whatever. And it was like, you know, it was, it's so well written and the music is so beautiful and the dancing. I mean, a guy like you with, you know, with the orchestra experience would be a better person to evaluate it. But I just, and my kids reluctant as they were to go to it, still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's that? there's a great quote in there where he's talking to God and he says, you know, if riches are, Oh, I forget how it goes. I'm going to slaughter it now. But uh, if riches, riches are a curse, just strike me with it. <laughs> Let me suffer with the consequences, but no, I love that. He's very conversational. You're right. And, uh, and I think we can have that same relationship with God. Wouldn't it be awesome if we did? I mean, if we believe he's the creator of the universe can do all things and he can be our friend at the same time. We can just have a conversation. How cool is that? Yeah. And, and, and you know, I try to get practical with, with people that are faithless. You know, um, you know, we talked about this. You know, I talked about a number of my guests is there, there's a group, you know, the biggest group of in our society is the N-O-N-E, the nuns, which means they don't basically believe in anything. Okay. And so um, my practical discussion um, on these types of things is, you know, a faith life is, you know, kind of, it was kind of second nature to the boomers. I mean, okay. it's the way it was. And, right. um, but the freedom, the lack of struggle that you're talking about and all these type of things is that, Hey, listen, you know, things are just provided to us. We take them and whatever. Um, but the way I have always looked at it is, is there's a practical argument to be made in that um, having a, um, a mindset that, putting others first, you know, which, which basically a lot of organized religion does, yeah. you know, you know, God first, others second, me last, that type of, you know, approach that's basically it's ingrained, you know, is a practical thing because think about it with society. Would you steal something from somebody if you put others first? I don't think you would. Right. Would, would you lie to them? I mean, if you thought there was a higher power and that was, that was basically kind of, figuring out what your situation was. You had a belief system. These are all practical things that help America be America or, yeah. or you know, and that, that's the kind of approach. It's a practical approach. Yeah. No, I think we're certainly losing that. And you're right. Things would certainly go in a different direction if we had that mindset, that frame of reference. Now, there is something to be said for, you know, you say God first, family second, me last, or, or others second. Yeah. Um, there is a place for taking care of ourselves, right? 
because I'm a yes. believer in burnout as well, right? If we yes. go, go, go and can't never take a moment for ourselves, then that's not going to lead to a good place either. However, I don't know. You ask nine out of 10 people who dedicate themselves to serving other people or not even dedicate themselves, but who, who serve other people regularly. And they will tell you that they get more back in return, right? Whether that's a feeling of accomplishment or self-worth mm-hmm. or self-esteem or, uh, you know, they, they get something physically back um, as a result of doing service. It makes them happier people. Um, and I think self-serving and just focusing on me, me, me actually takes us down a more negative road and, and decreases happiness in general. Um, there is something uh, intrinsic about serving other people that helps us be happier. And you can, there are dozens of studies on this, um, but you're exactly right. Uh, if we had more faith and we had more service and, and more others oriented, we'd be in a much better place. Um, certainly ourselves and as a society. Yeah. And, but you know, let's go back to that thing about, so, you know, yourself now. So that is a really good point because, and this, this gets into the point of the, the suicide issue, I think somewhat, I mean, obviously we're not experts. We're just two guys talking on the street corner here. Yeah. But I think that on a basic level, you know, raising children, you, you have five kids, right? Yeah. Joe. Uh-huh. Yep. So I've got six and um, is basically teaching your kids to love themselves. You, I mean, I think you do have to love yourself mm-hmm. bef- and before you can reach out to other people. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and so that the recognition that I see is that it's a recognition that, that I'm created, that God created me, that I'm special that I have a mission in life that, that God creates only good. And that, that once I have that, that, that gratitude in myself, then I'm able to pass it on. And I think what's really, you know, sad is that a lot of people don't like themselves, even though they're, you know, they're basically wildly successful, you know, from the outside you know, it's kind of like a social media world that, you know, people want to be popular and then popularity for popularity's sake, but they find out there's maybe popular on the outside, yeah. but the, 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 the quality of their relationships with others is so thin. Right. That, you know, that's, that's one thing that I, you know, I, my father just passed away. Uh, he was 98 years old, wow. just a great guy. It's a celebration. He had a great life and, and uh, a lot of faith. But I was talking about, you know, uh, I wrote something about it. And, I, you know, one of the things that, that his riches were, were the depth of his relationships with people. And I think that's where the move is, is, and I think that's why, you know, um, that you reach out for your podcast is because you're trying to develop and let people see that it, that's the important richness is developing relationships with people and helping people get through those 90 days. Yeah is to have that support group around you. If you don't have family, what kind of friends are out there? What kind of people that they can reach out to, to, to help them? Don't you agree? Absolutely. There's, there's no question. And if, if I did any research into these podcasts that I've done, that would be the number one uh, piece of advice that all of these guests suggest is you have to have a support group. You have to. 
But going back to your point, you say you got to love yourself and love others. That's absolutely true. In, my, in our family, we preach respect. And Lou Holtz does this too. You have to respect people. And Great. a little tangent here, and I'm just terrible with names. I wish I was better. That's, that's one area that I want to work on. But so I'm just going to sh- throw out titles here. But the dream team, right? Uh, you have Michael Jordan. You've got uh, John Stockton, Carl Malone. Uh, you've got Charles Barkley. You've got Clyde Drexler. All these, I mean just superstar basketball players, right? Yeah. And the coach, you know, the coach and the assistant coach were going to have their first meeting with the dream team. And the assistant coach was just going out of his mind. We're going to have all of these people in a room and we got to say something to them that's going to inspire them or that, I mean, they, they don't need a coach, right? Yeah. They don't go win any game without a coach. And the, the head coach is like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And the assistant's just losing his mind. And day comes they finally get in the room together and uh the coach says two things one we have to win or they're not going to let us back in the country okay (laughs) and the second (laughs) thing is way we're going to do that is you have to be on time to the bus show up to the bus on time and then he goes around the room and he names every single player because if you're not on time that means you disrespect john you disrespect carl carl you disrespect um you know, Michael, and he goes around the room and he said, it's all about respect. We have to respect each other to, if we're going to win, if we're going to make this. And then he left. So be on time to the bus. Who was the first one to the bus every single time? Jordan. Jordan was the first one to the bus every single time. And just, just an interesting story. But the point is we have to respect each other, right? We have to be there for each other. We have to serve each other. If we're, I mean, these guys were the best in the world and they probably had egos. I don't know any of them personally, but I'm sure they have egos and me, 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 right? I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. The coach's point was we have to be there for each other. We have to respect each other. We have to love each other if we're going to be successful. I think the same is true in life. We have to respect ourselves, love ourselves first. And once we get that through our heads, then we're not going to have, um, uh, poor self-esteem. We're not going to beat ourselves up. And once we get that strong, then we can focus on others and build others up, which in turn builds us, which, you know, in turn builds everybody around us. Fix yourself, help your family, help your neighbors, help a community, help a nation, help the world. Right. And uh, no, I think great, great point. Yeah, and so tell me about your new venture. What what's what are you going to get into here, Joe? Okay. Or is it see, top superstar top no, secret? No, this is good stuff. So this is something that uh, I'm I'm really excited about, and uh, it's called Goal It. Now, have you ever started a goal that you haven't finished? Many times. Many times. We all have. How many people? What percentage of people complete their New Year's resolutions? Eight. I would say it, it. I would say probably less than five percent. Yeah, it's about that, right? And most of them, the majority are done by the beginning of February, right? And so most of us don't finish goals that we start. This is including athletes. This is including in careers, families, just individuals. We don't finish goals we start. So we've been doing this, uh, this thing for two or three years now where we've developed kind of a platform that almost guarantees you finish any goal you start. So our success rate is 95%. Wow. It's pretty good. And it's built on the fact that you have um, an accountability partner. You've got social support, like we talked about. And then another key is fear of loss. 
So before you start a goal, you have to put up what we call an accountability deposit or collateral. So you put up money that if you don't finish, you lose it, right? I like, I'm liking this. Yeah. And there are a lot of, I mean, this has developed over the years, you know, it's evolved. Um, but let me give you one example. So are you familiar with Spartan race? Yes. So it's an endurance race that's kind of caught the world by storm. Uh, my brother-in-law has been asking me to, he's been trying to convince me for four years to do one. Right. And I was like, that sounds dumb. And last year he finally got me into one and I was hooked. I mean, it is, it's sweet. It's a, it's a neat experience anyway. So we signed up, come to find out my neighbor just down the street happened to be the, the director of endurance for Spartan at the time. And he's since left, but last, that's what he was last year. And so he's like, yeah, I'll train you. So we had about eight weeks to train. And he said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a workout. You have to report to me every day that you did it or you didn't do it. Okay. And then I had my wife do it with me. All right. So that, that was some extra motivation. And then he says, and here's what I'll do. I'll do it for free. But if you don't do a workout, then you have to pay me. So I was like, okay. So that was even more motivation. So that's kind of, again, this, the three pillars. I like it. Yeah, so I like it. My accountability partner, partner, I had some social support with my wife. You know, we were doing it together. And if I didn't do it, I was going to lose some money. So that's the idea. We're building an app right now that, that helps with that. So you're in a group, you choose your own goal, and it's a six-week period. Um, but you can keep doing it over and over and over again. But I also believe in small wins. You have to get a win. You know, a New Year's resolution often fails. Yes. It's too long. It's just too long. When you stumble once or twice or three times, then you're done. So anybody can do anything for six weeks, you know? And once you get that win, it's just motivation to keep going. Um, and boy, I think the potential for that is, is really, I, I think it would help people reach their potential, really. If you never again failed at a goal that you started every goal is worthwhile that you start otherwise you wouldn't have it and if you never failed at one think of where you'd be in 10 years or next year right i think it'd be so is there a website yet or are you gonna roll it out we're gonna roll it out there's a, a rudimentary website it's goalit.live l-i-v-e um so g-o-a-l-i-t yes. dot l-i-v l-i-v-e okay okay l-i-v-e okay good yeah. And so again, we're hoping October-ish, it's going to be up and running. Um, nice. Stuff that we're doing there. So I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, hopefully other people will be excited about it and jump on board as well. And then, so uh, what, what do you want to leave us with, Joe? What's, what's important in your life right now, uh, you know, going forward here? What, what's going to happen in the next five years with Joe Bellaston? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I, I think I was thinking about passion the other day and you know because a lot of people say find a career where you can um where you're passionate and where you can go to work and you do it even if you didn't get paid right and i was thinking like do i have any passions what would i do you know i like music i like the sound stuff i'm doing um i'm really passionate about the podcast the suicide prevention all these things but maybe my attention span is too short or something. I don't know if I would do any of these things for yeah. uh, a long period of time. I think my passion is progress. 
And so as long as I'm progressing and helping other people progress, I think that's, that's what I'll be doing. So I'm going to be in a much different place than I am. You know, I have some specific goals that I've set for the next five and 10 years. Um, but I'm going to be progressing. I'm going to be better. This is one reason I kind of like the, uh, my quote unquote day job right now in, in helping develop these movies and these TV shows, you know, cause they come to me and they're just, I mean, they're unwatchable. Right. And so I can, <laughs> I can help those progress and transform into something that the public would watch. Right. And that's, I think that's more than the craft. That's what I'm passionate about is seeing progress. And um, so I hope so, to have Gullet up and running. Um, I hope to have, many thousand listeners on the podcast. I hope to be making a difference in the lives of other people and, and helping others and myself just progress and reach our potential, be, be what we were sent here to be. So that's where I hope. That's, that's great. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sure your thoughts are with the people in Hong Kong right now too. Oh boy. I've been following that and what a tragic situation that is. Um, I think they'll get yeah. through it, but yeah, thoughts and prayers with them as well as with, you know, this country right now, oh. COVID, and man, I feel like we are enduring the 1918 flu, uh, Spanish flu, the the crisis and the you know the economic crisis of the 20s, 30s, and then you know we're back in 1960 with all of the social uh, problems. So thoughts and prayers with the country. Hopefully we can. Well, I know we can come out on top, but we just gotta take these values that we are as humans and as Americans and and have respect and love for each other. So, yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I tell folks that are, that are, you know, get a little bit down. I say, you know what, the, the way that you turn things around is in your own family and, you know, just, you know, serve your spouse, serve your kids, and then reach out to your neighbors one by one and don't get, you know, mess, don't, don't get too depressed about the macro world. Yeah. You can't control because, you know, you're not there, but, you know, do what you can. Obviously people that are in the leadership positions that, you know, you know, I basically hope that they have their best intentions of everybody and, and can yeah. do the best they can. But, you know, relying on those folks is just not the point either. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real complex web that we live in, but you know what? I, I lived abroad for a year. I lived in London and um, I came back to the United States and I kissed the ground. I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Um, I try and, uh, and I recommend to everybody that they, if they can, just take a couple weeks and drive all over this beautiful country and see it with the great history and, you know, the bad parts of our history, the good parts of our history, what we've learned you know, and then just be decent to everybody. I mean, if you, if you drive around the United States, you will meet the nicest people oh, yeah. ever. And that's, it's just a great thing. I mean, obviously you went all the way to Hong Kong and met them. Yeah. I mean, people are the same all over the world. We all have the yeah. same self-interest, but we all have the same needs. Yeah. And man, I don't, I don't care what your beliefs are, what color you are, you know, where you came from, what your social status is. Everybody's the same. Yep. Everybody is the same. We should treat them as such. You know, we're all just family. So Right. I'm with you, Joe. Hey, listen, hey, I want to really thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to visit with us. And I want to uh, eventually talk to you again and see how that goal at dot live is and, 
and really just I'm hoping that it works so that that people do it and and get their goals because uh, you know it's it's hard to meet goals and I'm glad that you're giving people the tools to to do that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a great conversation. Love talking talking with you, and let's do it again. All right, see you, Joe. Hey, see you later. Yeah.